Well, last week we had Wayne, great message, preaching on the three, three, three women in the book of Ruth. That was fantastic. Even I learned something there. I never thought about Naomi giving bad advice to uh, Ruth and Orpah, sending them back to Moab. I never actually thought about that point. Thank you for that. And uh, sometimes it's not good to listen to bad advice. Eh? That was the end of a, he closed up our uh, Pathway of Blessing uh, series for the month. And now it's my privilege today to open up uh, Hope of the World for this month, the theme for this month. Eh? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you uh, take over my lips, that you lead and guide by your spirit, that your word comes out pure, and that you open our ears, open our hearts, our understanding just to hear your word. May the word of God, that pure source, the incorruptible seed of the word of God, go into uh, the dirt that has been prepared by you. Thank you, Father. Amen. And spring up into everlasting life in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Sort of limping around a bit here. You know, I was just out here and uh, all of a sudden this pain came on in my foot, real intense. And I had got an unaru in the door to pray for my foot, but it's there. But then I realized God's saying something to me. It's actually, uh, it's loosening up now. But you know, the enemy, he wants to attack our walk, you know. He wants to, he wants to affect our walk. He wants to, he, he, he wants us not to walk a straight line in life. Yeah. So I think that's what the father was saying to me. You know, the enemy wants to do that, but God wants to straighten it out. Yeah. He wants us to have a good walk, to walk just like Jesus walked. Yeah? Amen. Oh, where's that? Oh, I like that. Hey, that's quite good. I just hadn't seen that before. Jesus, born. He was truly man and truly God in the one person. <coughs> Son of man over 80 times is mentioned concerning our Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. He is the Son of Man and He is the Son of God. He's Son of Man, but get this, He's not the Son of a man. Just let that put, we'll just pause there. He is Son of Man, but He's not the Son of a man. Let that marinate for a bit. Son of God, conceived of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> If there's anything that's going to be birthed in your life that's of eternal value, it will not come from man, not from your mind, your will, and your emotions. It'll come through those things, but not from them. It will not come from your soul. It'll come through your soul, from your spirit, which has been quickened and made alive. Better get to the message, eh? Praise God. Hope of the world. Just got to follow the leading of the spirit, eh, Tanara? <laughs> Okay, Titus 2. We've got plenty of word today. Incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Titus 2, 14, uh, 11 to 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation. What does grace do? It certainly does. It brings salvation. Has appeared to all men, teaching us. What does grace do? It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. What are we to deny? ungodliness, and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. I think God's wanting to sort out our walk. Verse 13, looking for that blessed hope. Say, blessed hope. Come on. You know who that is, eh? Are you looking for him today? Looking for that blessed hope. And glorious appearing 
of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. We've already been hearing about that from Charlotte. Redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Redeem us from every lawless deed. Wow. Wow. We don't want to be doing lawless deeds anymore because we're saved by this amazing grace and we've been taught by the grace of God. Redeemed us from every lawless deed and purified to himself. Say purify. God's all about purifying your walk here today. That's what I believe he's saying. He wants to purify your walk here today. Glory to God. Purify for himself his own special people. Zealous. Oh, zealous of what? Good works. Good works. Amen. That's a good word right there from Titus. You know that we read there looking for that blessed hope. And the Word of God says much about hope. It never uses the term hope to mean uncertainty or uh, doubt. Like, you know, I hope I'm a Christian. That's not hope. Or uh, I hope I'm a New Zealander. That's not really how it's using the word hope, is it? No. I do, know, I do not hope for something that I know that I already have it. Not in that way. It's a certain and a sure hope. Today I want to speak about three groups of people in the world today in regard to this hope that we're talking about. And uh, there's three groups of people. There's those who have no hope. There's those who have a false hope. And there's those who have a true hope. No hope, a false hope, and true hope. First of all, no hope. Ephesians 2, verse 11 and 12 says, Oh, they're quick, aren't they? Why, I shouldn't have even looked. I knew it was up there. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ. Oh, without Christ. What a terrible place to be. Without Christ... Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, and having no hope. Say, no hope. Why would I get you to say that? Well, there's a lot of people out there with no hope, and it's sad. We need to let that marinate and sink in. And without God in the world, having no hope. Perhaps you here today, my brother and sister, are the only hope that some people in your lives will ever have of touching the glory of God and, and, and the glory dwells in an earthen vessel, and we let it flow out to the people around you. The very divine character and nature of God, love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, let it just be displayed in your life. God is wanting our walk to be like Jesus' walk, and He's bringing that about for the glory of His name. Without hope, without God in this world. It's sad. Sadly, one of the major causes of death in, uh, in, in uh, well, Northland today is uh, teenagers committing suicide, or even in the world. But not only teenagers, even people without hope, ending their lives. What a terrible uh, tragedy. Young people, old people, without hope. Someone might lose their business, you know, when the whole kiwifruit industry crashed and things like that. And then they take their lives because... Everything they relied on is pulled out from under them. Their life is destroyed. Maybe there's some here today that feel a little bit like that. 
that there's no hope. But I want to tell you today, there is hope. Yeah, there's hope. And some people have never heard of this hope. There's a lot of hope, praise God. Oh, that we'd reach out to those with no hope and connect with them. I remember a time in my life when there was, seemed that there was no hope. I was brought up in a Christian family, but I turned my back on it completely. Talk about repentance. I repented the other way. You know, 180 degree turn, they say. Well, I turned away from the way I was brought up and I walked that way. And I was without hope. But I still had hope, praise God, because there was the seed of the word sown within me. But it seemed like that. As I went my own way, I, I, I just wondered what life was all about. There was a time I was even gnawing on my finger, trying to eat, eat, eat my own flesh. You just get really weird and screwed up. And when people without hope just go crazy sometimes, you know. People need hope. We're designed to have life in us. The life of our God, the creator of the universe, and it flowing through us, invigorating us, giving us power, life and light and love. People need love, the love of God today, pure and holy in love, beautiful water of life flowing out from the throne of God through his people and touching every need. The thing about the water of life, it always goes down to the lowest of the low, the lowest part of the valley, the water flows through to it. And that's us, that's where we should be flowing and among our community, reaching out to those who are in need, touching hearts, touching lives for the glory of his name. And I just love the way my wife, Ruth, has such a passion to reach out to community. And she's done that for years, and she's so faithful to the Lord and the call of God and the gifts that God has given her to reach out to our community. And yet again this year, praise God. So I honor her for that. There are those with no hope. But then there's those with a false hope. Look at Reuben here. He can read my mind. Do you see that? <laughs> we'll see if he can read my mind. I think he can. Amen. False hope. Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. Not everyone, Jesus said, who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Wow. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Are you doing the will of your heavenly Father? Because these are the ones that are going to enter into heaven. Oh. Many will say to me that in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, have we not prophesied in your name? Wow, that's, that's good. Cast out demons in your name. Wow, that's pretty good. Kapite. And done many wonder, wonders in your name. And then Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. What are you practicing today? Are you just doing everything your way? Are you practicing lawlessness? Are you just doing whatever you want to do with your life, and it's my life, and I'll do what I please? Or are you serving the Lord faithfully and looking off unto Jesus? Is he your life, or are you living his life, or are you living your life? Praise the Lord, Reuben. You're a man of God. Amen. False hope seems to be self-sufficient. It's like the clean footpaths. Yes, going to church. Yes, I give, 
I give my money to the poor, I do this, I do that, uh, you know, I'm not like other people, I don't steal, never killed anybody. You're almost two steps away from the cross because you're relying on yourself instead of relying on the one who hung upon the cross. The one who is a, a prostitute and a druggie and, and, and a murderer and a thief is one step closer to the cross, believe it or not. They don't, you don't need to tell them that they need a Savior. You don't need to tell them they need a Savior. They know. They just want to encounter the love of God, the forgiveness of God, to hear that He has a plan and a purpose for their lives, and He wants to give them His perfect righteousness and transform their walk and change the way they live. Glory to God. That's what the gospel does. People think they're, on, they're doing well until the time of testing comes. So I want to just... Uh, Ask you, how are you? How are you in times of testing? When the heat gets turned up a little bit. Many have found that at those times their hope is empty. Even the words that come out of their mouth in the middle of a big rotorot with the missus or, the, or the, the, the wife or the husband are not words that are coming from Jesus. Yeah? Those who have false hope and not building their lives upon a firm foundation. They're not building upon the rock, which is Christ. They're like the foolish man who builds their house upon the sand, the sand of their own soul. The rock is the spirit, you could say. There you go. There's a picture. Christ in me, the hope of glory. If you make the source your own soul, your own feelings, your own thoughts, your own will, your own emotions, and that's what drives you, I tell you what, when the heat gets turned up on your life, then it sorts out where you're drawing from. You know, when you squeeze an orange, what happens? When you squeeze an orange, what do you get? Orange juice. No, you don't. You get pineapple juice. No, you get orange juice. Of course you do. When your life is squeezed, what's in there comes out. And if it's not pretty, it's time to get a life. Yeah? Come on. People living in false hope, wondering why life is the way it is. Well, it's because of where you're standing. Yeah? These people, often uh, people that find fault all the time. Find fault with themselves, find fault with the government, find fault with this, find fault with that. Find fault with someone in front of them in the car when you blast them on the horn. Just find fault, find fault, find fault. They connect on that frequency. <laughs> fault finders. Titus said in one, uh, Titus uh, chapter 15, verse 16. Uh, there's not 15 chapters, by the way, in Titus. Titus chapter 1. Thank you, Ian, these elders. Come on, we need to speak up if I'm saying anything that's not right. Titus chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 15 and 16. To the pure, all things are pure. <laughs> that's a good word right there. To the pure... What, are the, what frequency are they, are, they, are they working on? What does it say in that, in that verse in 1 Corinthians 13? We read it at just about every marriage. Love believes all things, hopes all things, thinks no evil, doesn't rejoice in evil. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled, ah, do you find fault in other people really quickly? Do you get annoyed on, what do you do, Facebook, Instagram? I don't know, I don't do anything like that. But I don't know, you want to actually put your thoughts out there and your feelings out there right in front of everybody? 
Don't know. I'm glad I don't actually do Facebook. I have heard some things that do go across Facebook at times that are not always that good coming from certain people that should know better. Praise God. To the unbelieving, nothing, uh, nothing is pure, but even their mind and their consciences are defiled. That's why they're connecting on that frequency. That's nobody in this room, though, is it? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Got a lot of faith here for that. They profess to know God, but they're in, in, in works. This is what's important is our walk. He wants to straighten our walk up. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. Being abominable. Oh, that's pretty straight. Disobedient. Oh. And disqualified for every good work. You know, it's not spiritual to be able to work out and see people's faults. The world can work out whether they're a Christian or not. People out there in the community, they know what side up things are. They're often very clever. Sometimes there's a reason why they don't want to step foot inside the door here. I hope it's not because my walk is crooked. I hope the Lord's going to bring healing to my ankle, to my walk today and straighten a few things out for me. Praise God. So it's not spiritual to see the faults in people. The thief who thinks he can steal without consequence has false hope. The drug addict who thinks he can escape his problem by getting high has false hope. The church member who thinks that baptism, membership, or deeds, good deeds are all that are necessary to escape hell and have a place in heaven are living in false hope. It's a pity you'll never get there that way, even if you go to church every Sunday of your life. The husband or wife who is unfaithful and thinks that they are clever enough to get away with their actions. Maybe looking at something on, the, on the, the internet that they shouldn't be looking at. And they think they're really clever and good at covering stuff up. You're living on false hope. God sees everything. Maybe what's worse, having a no hope or false hope. I don't know. You see, grace apart from transformation, is perversion. God has no grace towards wickedness. God condemns sin in the flesh there at the cross. Make no mistake about it. God's not going to have grace upon you just doing what you like and going your own way. It says, don't be deceived, the word says. God is not mocked. You're not going to mock at God and think, think you can just have, he'll just have grace. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You think you can sow without reaping? You can sow carnally to your flesh, watch things that you shouldn't be watching, and you think you can mock God and you're going to be all right? Come on. You got a false hope right there. Okay, I hope that's not too heavy right there. The truth will set you free. Hey, let's get on to true hope. Come on, let's move on in the message. Glory to God. True hope. Jeremiah 17 and 7 says, Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. That's a good place to put your hope, not in the internet, not in your spouse, not in your kids. In the Lord. In the Lord, not even in yourself. Goodness me, I learned years ago not to rely on self. Hallelujah. 
I'd let me down, every, let myself down every time a coconut. You start building on self and it'll just be a big letdown, sinking sand like you wouldn't believe. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I, I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yes. True hope can only be found in Christ. So often we study ourselves and say, well, this is who I am. We look at ourselves in the mirror, have a shave in the morning, which I do most days. Some days I skip it. Had a shave this morning, though. You can see that, eh? That's why it's shining. <laughs> so we say, this is who we are, instead of studying Jesus and saying, that is who we are. I learned that many years ago, but many years after I first came to Christ, because the enemy wanted me to identify with his seed in me, and he'd always come and sit, as it were, sit on my shoulder and be saying, now look what you've done, Paul. That's who you are. See, you're still a sinner. You're still a sinner. And he wanted to highlight his seed of self-centeredness in me and make out that that was my true identity until one day. About 15 years after I got saved, the lights came on and I realized this is not who I am. That's who I am. Don't you ever tell me that's who I am. I am raised up with Christ. I am seated in heavenly places. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I am made holy, justified, just as I had never sinned, made righteous. I've received the gift, abundant grace and the gift of His righteousness. He is my Lord. He's my life. He's everything I could ever need. Glory to God. Don't tell me that's me. Titus 2 verse 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Uh, Titus chapter 3 verse 7 says, That having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's not I hope I'm a New Zealander. I hope I've got eternal life. No, it's hope. It's a reality. That hope brings a reality within us. We have eternal life now. We're not waiting to get to heaven for eternal life. It's Christ in us now, the hope of glory. Glory to God. If someone's going to touch the glory in me, it'll have to be Christ. It certainly can't be Paul. Yeah, people need to see the glory of God shining out. Thankfully, it was the glory of God shining through my older sister, the love that was showing that attracted me, something that was supernatural and divine that attracted me, touched my very, very heart that drew me to the Savior many years ago. And God wants to draw people through your life to Him. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says, Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is within you. People should say, well, mate, you've been through a bit of stuff. How come, Tanara, you're always so cheery, you're so happy, your, your cup's always half full, not half empty? Why are you always so positive? There must be something. What is it? Have you been to some sort of course or what have you learned? Oh, no, it's Christ in me. It's the Lord. He's my provider. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my life. He's everything I ever need. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope. See, God is a God of hope. May He fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope <laughs> by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. 
God wants that for you. God wants that for you. You might be sitting there in your seat and you say, well, Paul, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't know what I feel on the inside. You don't know how lonely I am. And sometimes that's absolutely true. I don't know. You don't know how lonely I've been in my life. When I came to the Lord and, and, and turned to Him from the world and ended up in a church of six people and for six years in a little one-horse town where there was no marriage prospects on the horizon. And I prayed to God and He brought Ruth from the other side of the world. I was lonely. I felt alone, but I wanted, I had, God had touched my heart and I wanted to follow Him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. I delighted in Him. But sometimes we go through stuff. And other people don't know, but our God knows. This could be, I believe there's some people here today. And uh, perhaps despair has been getting the better of you lately. Perhaps you're going through something in your life that's causing you to despair and think, I just can't see a way out of this. And it's getting the better of you. I want to tell you there's hope. God just loves a difficult situation. If you trust in Him, He's the God of miracles. He's the God of transformation. He can turn things around like you wouldn't believe, or you would believe. Sorry, I rebuke that. He can turn things around like you would believe. Yes, amen. That's the God of hope. Amen. Even when you feel powerless to do anything about your situation, you're in absolute despair. Don't despair. Look to the God of hope. Look to that blessed hope. Our great God and our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Some here today, and, and, and you always seem to be sick. It's disease, it seems to be always, you always be suffering sickness. And maybe more than normal people. And maybe sometimes it's because there's a lot of anxiety in your life, or you are at, you're not at ease at all, and so you're at disease. Yeah? When you're at disease and, and burden, you can actually get quite sick. But then there's natural things going around as well. So don't, we're not going around looking for, looking about, about sickness to say it's all from being diseased. Some of us just naturally get a cold. We get over it, praise God, as well. But I'm talking about things that are more than normal. Well, the God of hope wants to heal you from that today. He wants to bring hope into your despair today. Some here are discouraged. It can get discouraging as you go along the way. I've been discouraged before. I've been discouraged in my business. I've been discouraged sometimes in the church. If, if, if we wanted to be discouraged, we could, and we just wanted to concentrate on discouragement, we could really find lots of reasons why we could get discouraged. But we look to the God of hope. Sometimes we feel like giving up. But I want to tell you that if that's you, God wants to reveal so much more to you through His Spirit. He's got so much for your life, so much for you to experience of His love and His grace and His goodness and the miraculous that He wants to show you. He's infinitely great, and He is for us. So you might be in despair. You might be suffering sickness or disease today. You might be discouraged today. But I want to tell you, God is for you. And He has the answer 
in our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, there's a reason why we're born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. That's because it is incorruptible. It cannot be corrupted. When you get life in your spirit, the life of God within you, that cannot be corrupted. The waters may get muddied on the way out as it comes through our soul. Perhaps there's strongholds there. That's why the Bible speaks about our minds be transformed, by, uh, we, our lives are to be transformed, or our, we need to get our walk straightened out by the renewing of our mind. Sometimes what's going on in the mind, even though we're a believer, is not necessarily what's, what God has for us. So it needs to get straightened out. But we're born of incorruptible seed. We need to get that. And we're born of God's Spirit, which is incorruptible. And we need to understand that. When it says incorruptible, it means it cannot be corrupted. Light, God is light, and Him is no darkness at all. When you receive the eternal life of Christ, there is not only no darkness at all in it, and not only is there no sin, but it cannot come near the light. Darkness, you try and get a sack of light or an ice cream container, I mean, of darkness, and bring it to the light. You try and think there's a battle raging when you turn the light switch on in the lounge on a dark night, and you tell me how long the battle lasts for. It doesn't. Darkness is simply the absence of light. There is no battle, but you turn the lights on, the pure light of God. The Bible says as many as received Him, not a knowledge about Him, but received Him as their life, to them gave He the power to become uh, the sons of God. Cool. Okay, so often we spend too much time thinking that life is in our soul and we're trying to change ourselves into the image of Christ instead of realizing just simply by His Word there's something incorruptible that's been birthed in us. And it does, what's been birthed in us is like the Lord, it has no earthly, uh, no earthly father. That's what happens in our soul. But we're born from above, and it's eternal life, the life of God, the life of Christ that we have within us. And we look to Him by faith and trust in Him at all times. You know, there's a picture in the Old Testament, and I want to finish with this. You know, when the children of Israel, and I want, if anyone wants healing in that here today, I believe the power of the Lord is present to heal, to save, whether it's despair or disease or whether it's discouragement today, whatever your need is, the power of the Lord is present. But I want to share this illustration from the Old Testament. And, and, and uh, I just got that this week. And it's a common, you know, when the children of Israel were going through the, the wilderness, they almost got to the promised land. Then they murmured. Uh, they've just beaten the Canaanites. And, uh, but they murmured against Moses and against God. And God sent fiery serpents among them, snakes, to bite them. You remember that? And when they bit them, they started dying. And they, and they cried out to Moses, and Moses talked to God about it. And so God said to Moses, you make a fiery serpent and put it up on the, out of brass. What was that for? On a pole. Is that an idol? Do you want us to worship it? What do you want us to do? Why did he, make it, why did he actually make a fiery serpent and put it on a pole? He said, when you look at that, you will live. So why is it so significant? 
What is it that it's telling us? Because you get it in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. Every need met in our Saviour. So what is it about the serpent? See, the serpent is the enemy, the enemy of our souls. It's the curse. The Bible says, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. You know what God's done with your curse? Your curse of sickness and despair and disappointment? He's nailed it to the cross. God in the serpent of brass has cursed the curse. That curse has been lifted up. Let the people see that I've actually cursed everything that'll come against you. He has cursed your curse. You can have life and life flood your soul today, right now. You can have healing in your body right now because He's cursed our curse. Praise God, my foot's feeling a lot better. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise His name.